Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You do you have siblings? I don't even know. No. You, you're an only child? Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a really hypothetical question. Oh my gosh. If you had siblings. Okay. And they could have superpowers. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. Which power would you choose? What would you want them to have? Because Anna was really happy about Elsa being able to make things cold and, and snowy. So much fun. I don't think I would have cared. Oh, gosh. Well, I wouldn't want them to read my mind. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Maybe flying. Oh, maybe teleportation if they're like Ooh. touch you. You know what I mean? That would be Because then one. we could be like, oh, quick, let's like go to Rome and get that, get that pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Get a little gelato. Yeah. That's a great one. I think when I thought about it, mine was much more practical. It was, I wish my little sisters would have had the power to retain the choreography I would teach them <laughs> in the basement. Honestly, I feel like get there's it to, a lot going on right here. It there's some heated moments happening. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the emotional and cultural impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today, we're talking Frozen, which Maybe you're thinking, why? Why? Why are you talking about Frozen, Jeff? You tried to get me to like Cats, which, for the record, I didn't say I loved the Cats film. I just said it wasn't the abomination that everyone said it was. Cats came out and everyone thought, the end of film has come. (laughs) And I'm like, calm down. You're okay. Yeah. I did see it, but I, I don't want to talk about Cats. And we're not here to talk about Cats. We are we're here not to talk here about to... Frozen. Oh, so my point being, if you like Frozen, listen to this episode. You'll probably really enjoy it. If you don't like Frozen, listen to this episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because it's going to be a great conversation, and I'm really grateful you're here. Everyone. Thank you. Bruce Merkel. In Hi. 
in the booth with me. Yes. Hello, everyone. Bruce, you have a long and sordid history with this show. Oh, my gosh. Yes. How long? Okay. We, we've we both worked at Disney. Yes. You're still working at Disney. Correct. And you are working in Frozen. Correct. How long have you been with the show? My first audition was five years ago in two months. So March 2015. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, it was a really long time ago. It's it, half a decade of was that Frozen. the Was that the opening cast? Uh, that was the first reading that we did oh, at Imagineering. Shoot. We did a t- just a music stand reading. Oh, wow. Uh, with just, there were just like 10 of us and they were just seeing how the script worked and how it translated from the movie and what it would be like on stage and stuff like that. Which is fascinating because from what I understand, Disney was creating three different versions of this show in terms of theatrical presentations. You had the one that was going on the cruise ship. You had the one that was going to be in the park at Disney California Adventure. And then the Broadway incarnation as well. Yes. And they're all different. It doesn't even seem like anybody was really on the same page in terms of creating a cohesive theatrical product. Like the brand of the show, what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, they all had different creative people. Exactly. I guess that's my point. So they could all interpret it how they wanted to. But, you know, it's you have to tell the story of Frozen. Then how long was it before it the, went into rehearsals? There was an, uh, two other mini workshops. There was like a movement workshop where I went in and did some like in summer stuff. And they wanted to see what that choreography looks like. And then for Olaf the Snowman. Yeah, for Olaf the Snowman. And then we started rehearsals for the proper version in November. We did. That's the workshop is what people refer to it now November 2015 it's not a workshop it's not, it was like the workshop got it like at work we're like oh my god remember the workshop and then <laughs> so that was November 2015 and then we started for real I think in March 2016 okay with everybody like in the same space fast forward to you open the show in at California Adventure at the Hyperion yes, yes. I was working there at the time so I came and saw it yeah I remember it was about 70 minutes at that point. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I thought it was too long. Yes. <laughs> I mean, beautiful. It was. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I started like I my, saw your show. Oh and my it gosh. was too long. It was too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, that's, that's not what I wanted to say. It was. It was beautiful to, to look at. You all were sounded glorious. Squeaky clean. It, it was. Yeah. Very lit, beautifully costumes, blah, blah, blah. For yeah. sure. Also too long at 70 minutes. But then also it was kind of a red flag to me in terms of turning this into a full fledged Broadway musical where I'm thinking if I'm sitting here and it feels too long at 70 minutes, Uh how on earth is it going to be a two act Broadway musical? Yeah. Because this was before, you know, it opened on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's interesting because it's a it's a quick story. It is. Like you only have a couple beats that you need to get across Mm -hmm. and then they fill it in with a lot of other things. Right. So, you know, it's a padded kind of show, but the the crux of it is the sister's relationship. So the animated film Frozen came out in 2013 and quickly became one of the highest grossing animated films film. of the yeah. of that year, but oh, also yes. the highest grossing animated film of all time, surpassing Toy Story 3, Lion King, everybody. Frozen was number 1 up until this past year when the remake of Lion King took it over, which is strange that that Lion King is considered an animated film because it wasn't built that way. Yeah. I, um, yes. It was I didn't built, see it, but it looked. It's like a, it's a Nat Geo yes, it documentary yes, it that just happens to be animated. But then Frozen 2 didn't 
grossed even more than that. I think Frozen 2 is now the is no, grossing. D- really? Did Frozen 2 take over? I, yes, that's what I heard on these little their little talk show rounds they're doing. Oh, the, the cast. that's cool. I liked Frozen 2. It was fun. Okay, I'm sitting in Frozen 2, taking it in, and yeah. thinking, wait, did I sit through Frozen just to get to Frozen 2? Oh. Because I was really into the origin story. Yes. We like information. The world building of where on earth Arendelle sits and what its relationship is to magic in general. Yes. The, you know, the family, all of it. I was, yeah. I was in. I loved learning about the parents. I think that was yeah. really important. And, it, and I was excited that they went back to that because usually they always move forward with those sequels. They're sure. just like, okay, what else happens next, 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 next. Not to mention Evan Rachel Wood singing, <laughs> giving me all the across the universe feels. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So the movie comes out in 2013. It's a huge smash. It is directed and written by Jennifer Lee with help from other people. But she becomes the first female director of a film that grosses over a billion dollars. Huge. Is that right? Yes. That's amazing. She also becomes the first female creative director at Walt Disney Animation Studios. Wow. I may be getting the title wrong. You're not even looking at notes. I'm very impressed right now. Well, thank you. She's she's a big deal. Yeah. Robert Lopez, who at this point is kind of musical theater royalty. He's written Avenue Q. He's written. Did you had you written the Book of Mormon already? Uh, perhaps. I mean, Josh Gad was in that too. Did yeah, they, had they yeah. connected so, by then? Yeah. So then, and then his wife joins <laughs> him as lyricist, Kristen Anderson Lopez, who is um, she is kind of a loose cannon in terms of a lyricist. She's she takes big swings, and they. I I, I admire her for this reason. Yeah. Because who in their right mind would think that one of the biggest songs in all of film history would include the phrase frozen fractals. <laughs> right? Show of hands, please. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen. Anyone? I don't see any hands in I don't here. see any hands. But she did it and everyone totally accepted it. Of course, this is a lyric that belongs in a song, frozen fractals. Yeah. Like, incredible. Did you watch the, I was like watching YouTube videos, like making a frozen to be like, fill my brain with things. Uh-huh. The video about let it go, writing let it go. No. And I, how, what did they say? At the moment, Let It Go was written that Elsa was the villain and they wrote this song and she really wanted to have like an empathic take on what that experience would be like for her. And it kind of changed it around. And they had Jennifer Lee listen to the song and she said, oh, darn, we have to rewrite this character completely. Wow. Like now she can't be a villain. Yeah. They were going kind of a wicked direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of the old concept art for the movie is really interesting. She looks very traditional Disney villain, you know, like all the thing, all the like costume like things snatched. happening. Oh, super snatched. The eyebrows. eyebrows. If if there was a sharper line on an eyebrow, we've never met it. <laughs> like there, like this, this character was a lot. Yeah. But they softened her. And I don't know if they were sisters to begin with, but um, yeah, they made them, you know, equals and sisters. And it was, it was lovely. And what was your first reaction to the film? Back in 2013. Um, back in 2013, it was December. I was home for Christmas in Florida with my mom. We went to see Frozen. <laughs> yes, you this did. This new Disney movie. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I did. I think I had a couple LOLs with Olaf. I think sure. Josh Gad made me laugh like maybe twice, maybe three times. I don't remember. But I took when I went away from it, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. It was just irreverent. And they had... 
you know, Anna waking up with, with bedhead and, and, and talking about being gassy and wanting chocolate and, you know, and pre- suppressing her emotions. And they made her super real. And I thought that was that stood out. It was different. My two takeaways were I love this sister relationship. Yes. Never seen that. Mm-hmm. The kind of female empowerment where somebody didn't need to have a prince rescue them. Yes. They, their love was the magic love. Yeah. The guy took the back seat. Yeah. It was amazing. We and, don't need no man. And kind of laid the groundwork for Moana, which I love even more. And then I also kind of felt that I, I had never felt like the songs were more important in a Disney film than when I saw Frozen. Mm. And they did move the story along, too. They did. And they were so delightful to listen to over and over again. I have 14 nieces and nephews. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Huge family. All of them were listening to Frozen in the car. Yes. You know. <laughs> incessantly there was something about the music that just kept people humming along and also kind of imagining these the story and characters yeah. and connecting to them i don't know what it was that the lopez's were able to tap into but man they hit a really solid zeitgeist moment in, yeah. with this film it was amazing it's something that like tangled and the princess and the frog didn't do which came out i think before and mm-hmm. It, I, I was I was confused too. I was like, "Wow, this movie is it such hit a thing. hard." Oh yeah, it really yeah. did. I also remember watching "Let It Go" in the theater and totally tearing up. I thought it was epic and beautiful. And when she first creates that um, ice bridge and runs over it, mm, yeah, I thought this is this is Disney animation. This is Belle waltzing with Beast in the in the ballroom. Yeah, you know, we're back. Like this is. Iconic. Yes. I'm watching an iconic moment. Right yes. Now. Yes. No, it was so Look, great. I'm getting oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I'm a Disney nerd. I've you really always. Are. Yeah. I've, I've loved Disney since, uh, since forever. Same. I mean, I grew up in Florida. I'm going to mention oh. that eight more times. Yeah. Um, so I went to Disney World a couple times a year growing up as a kid. Oh. My mom would get like free tickets. So I grew up going there and. Oh, wait. My cup is the Great Movie Ride. Did oh you? my gosh, that's a that's a deep cut. Unless, Did you ever go on the Great of Movie? Of course, ride? I went on the Great Movie Ride. I that do you love me. it? Oh well, it's closed, and I can't talk about that. It's Wait, too emotional. When did it close? Oh, Jeffrey, this is terrible. Um, it, clo- it closed a couple of years ago because I was there a couple of years. Well, uh, I don't know how many years it was now. I know. But it was there when I was there. I know it's closed now, but they're they're building something that I'm sure it will be great. I'm sure it'll be awesome. But see, from what I understand, you talk a lot about old films. Like yes. you love the old movie musicals. Oh my gosh. Wizard of Oz. Great. And it was that kind of your into the art form, the musical theater art form? Totally. I remember being like two and, and watching the Mary Martin Peter Pan. Uh, loved that. And then that, of course, segued into The Wizard of Oz. When I was two, I got the movie and like just started watching it over and over again and have mm-hmm. never stopped. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then that segued into, you know, what else did Judy Garland do? And Meet Me in St. Louis and and then Catherine Hepburn films. And uh, <laughs> which just, is the next. Step. That was where I went next. You Meet Me in St. Louis. To and Catherine then Hepburn. Summertime. <laughs> <laughs> Do not mention summertime. Did you just mention summertime? Of course. I'm oh a my cinephile. gosh, that David Lean it. movie. It's so beautiful. It is actually really and beautiful. kind of sad, but like I, she, oh, and how she talked. We're not talking about summertime, but I love summertime. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, I would be, we could go on and on. I understand. Um, anyway, yes, old films. I think The Wizard of Oz, Saying It in the Rain. Those are a lot of people's first introduction into musical theater. Every time I go visit a school and I ask the students, 
have you seen a musical before? And a lot of them don't think they have. And I say, well, have you seen Frozen? And inevitably, everyone's hand goes up in the air. I'm like, okay, well, surprise, you've seen a musical. Yes. You know, they don't realize that they have experienced the art form through animated films. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what the generations of musical theater lovers look like in 20 years when my nieces and nephews who grew up listening to Frozen in the car nonstop are old enough to start buying tickets to go see the theater. Yeah. You know, because I know that films were so important to you, to me, in terms of us finding musical theater. What's it going to be like for them? Absolutely. And also segueing into going into a real theater and sitting down with a waxy playbill in your hand and Mm -hmm. watching something. I think if it, it is Frozen... People know what it is and they're like, oh, okay, I know that. I can I can sit through Frozen. Right. Which brings me to one of the main reasons I wanted to do an episode about Frozen. Because I think it's a great vehicle for an, a very important conversation about modern musical theater, which is the commercialization of Broadway. And not just Broadway, but media in general. We have huge media conglomerates like Disney with their universes like Marvel and animated franchises, like we just said, Frozen now has two films. Toy Story has four. Uh, The way that media conglomerates think in terms of longevity and profit is now these big intellectual properties. And with Frozen, I think that that's a, a great example of creating a Broadway show from an animated film that doesn't really scream out to me to become a stage production. Yeah. Most of the action in the story, like we said, happens very quickly and is very action driven. Yes. You've got you've got avalanches, <laughs> you've got big snow monsters. Oh yeah, the big the big uh, marshmallow. You got guy, the marshmallow which guy. Didn't make it into any of the stage versions. Shocker. Because yeah, he doesn't really help the story along. Exactly. But then you've got incredibly talented individuals like Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez that obviously know the art form so well that you're like oh, well, you're talented, so here's your reward. You get to turn this juggernaut into a theatrical piece. And then I think it's kind of up to them to be like, well, crap, how are we going to do it? Yes, with not just having something, an idea and creating something, but... Yeah, having to create a musical based on an intellectual property that is already guaranteed to make money. And that already has most of its like storytelling nuts and bolts in place, and you just have to kind of... Copy-paste it onto stage. Not just copy-paste it, but actually figure out how to give it some artistic integrity. For sure, yeah. And I think that talented people do that with Beetlejuice and Mean Girls and, you know, all of these shows. And I'm certainly not the type of person who believes that we shouldn't be turning movies into musical A good story is a good story. Exactly. So I'm certainly not saying that. But I am saying from a place of making money, I think people see intellectual properties— that can make money, and so then they hire creative people to save their butts and turn it into something that's worth watching. Yeah, for sure. I think to a certain extent that's what's happened with Frozen. Oh, yeah, they just kind of wanted to like keep, the, keep going, yes, and. Yes. Frozen 2, Frozen Be- Broadway. Because I went to the grocery store and Elsa's on bananas. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> like, oh. I, I bought bananas and the little, the little Chiquita banana sticker is on there. And she is like... And during her little, and she's just doing a little look yeah, over the shoulder. She's, yeah, she's looking over the, the shoulder, and she's and she's and she's got her her fingers feathered. Yeah, fingers feathered. <laughs> she does. She's everywhere, and Olaf was everywhere too. I remember oh, when I auditioned absolutely. for this, I didn't really, I never really thought about doing that, but he was everywhere, and I was like, okay, well, I know 
the snowman. Everybody knows who the snowman mm-hmm. is because it just leaked into every CVS in America. Mm-hmm. Pencils, backpacks, lunch boxes, bananas. Bananas. It's bananas. It's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. We'll be right back right after this commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I really do love these characters. Yes. Olaf is, like you said, an LOL moment in the film, in the stage production, and also just the sweetest, most lovable thing in the world. Yeah, it's just very sweet. It's a different character. And I like in Frozen, too, how they had him kind of growing up and learning new things. Yes. His so new sweet. song is so sweet. Yeah. That, that new song is adorable. Yeah, it's adorable. Okay, I, confession. Oh, gosh. I'm having all of these opinions about the stage version of Frozen, the Broadway version of Frozen. Okay. But, and I haven't seen it. Oh, whoa. So everything that I will be talking about in terms of the Broadway version of Frozen okay. will, will be based on my knowledge of the original cast album. Yes. The pho- photography stills. The B-roll. The B-roll. The commercials. Exactly. The behind-the-scenes videos on Broadway World. Everything that I could possibly find in terms of pirating. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah. I understand. Well, it's at the Pantages until... Is it still there right now? Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. But I don't think I have the money to go see it. Enter the lottery online. Uh, but then everybody gets the notification that I just entered the lottery. It's embarrassing. What are you talking about? Every, <laughs> every time... There is no lottery shame. I feel like I always get social media messages from people who enter the lottery. So-and-so, just, like, is it? it's part of the thing you have to do, right? No, no, you just enter your email. It's real discreet. It's on the DL. That's it. They don't, they don't out you at all. It's totally fine. I went, I, that's how I saw it, confession. Yeah, I you won, won the, the lottery. lottery. That's impressive. Maybe there's yeah. some gold star. Just enter the lottery. All right, maybe I'll enter the lottery. You only have a couple more weeks. Get on it. Okay. It's right here. So did you see it at the Pantages? I did. I saw it at the Pantages. Okay, because you've seen this show. I've seen it a lot. A few times. A few times. You saw it in Denver I at its it in original I tryout. Went with my friend Tori Britt, we went to see the Denver show. Okay. I was like, okay, Frozen. Huge part. Let's see Frozen. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. So you saw it there, and then we'll and we'll talk about that. And then did you see it in New York as well? Yes. And then you saw it in New York, and then you also saw it at the Pantages? Yes. I mean, it was the lottery. But yes, still. I did. It was lottery. Yes, I did. Wow. I feel very exposed attacked. right now and attacked. Oh, attacked. my gosh. Um, I. <laughs> why Why so much? Um. Do you, I mean, did you like it enough to see it three times? I did like, well, the, I had, uh, you know, we have friends in all these oh, shows. fair enough. So we go see friends. We support our friends in shows. Now also, I feel attacked. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> yes, we support our friends in shows. We support our shows. friends. Ever do that? Ever think about doing that? No. <laughs> so Sacrifice I, your $20 yeah, and like, possibly think, a little social media standing. Yeah, on just three hours of your time. <laughs> And parking, though. Honestly, parking so bad, like, I would forgive you if that were the reason. If that was the reason. If I you didn't want to be exposed, that's a different reason. Yeah, no, I saw it a lot. I, you know, went out for the tour. Mm. Actors, think, you know. We do we, that. We need, we go out for things. Um, and, and so you wanted to see who got your role. <laughs> <laughs> F. Michael Haney is amazing. <laughs> and everything's great. No, um... No, it was cool. I was, you know, wanted to see it and see what they did with the character, which is what would be different from what we did. Because, like, Liesl Tommy, who directed our version, and Michael Grandich, who did Broadway, had different takes yeah. on Olaf. And uh, in the work sessions, I was, like, learning about that and what they were 
thinking. Like he's younger in our production than he is in in the Broadway, in Broadway. production. Interesting. He's like a, more of a toddler, and he's more like of a precocious little kid in, mm. in this version. At that's least cool. that's how it was explained to me. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to talk about the the creation of the stage version. We talked about the animated film. We talked about the creation of the version that you're in, the yeah. Hyperion. Robert Lopez and his wife, Kristen Lopez, they write a musical called Up Here. Did you ever hear about this? No, I didn't. It was a musical that played at La Jolla Playhouse near San Diego. And it, it has a lot of similarities to Inside Out, the Pixar film. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, I think I knew someone in this or something. I've heard yeah. about it when it was happening. Yeah, it's the story about a, a kind of a schlubby guy who has all of these voices in his head, but not in a, an unhealthy way. It's just like his different emotions and personalities all actually have voices and characters. Yeah. And so it, it's the story about him like falling in love with a girl, but then all of his insecurities and voices are, are constantly commenting on him and his life and him, you know, coming to some sort of conclusion with that. It's really weird and uh, incredibly problematic. But of course, <laughs> but of course had a lot of great music because they're incredibly talented uh, songwriters, yeah. composers. Alex Timbers was the director. Alex Timbers, who also directed, you know, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson and Peter and the Starcatcher. He's a really talented guy. He was the director. Uh, Joshua Burgas, who had just won a Tony Award for On the Town, was the choreographer. And the the female lead was Betsy Wolf. Now, all of these people were slated to be attached to Frozen. Alex Timbers was going to be the director. Joshua Burgas was going to be the choreographer. Betsy Wolf was going to be Elsa. And then the Lopez's, obviously, were writing the new material to supplement with what they had already done for the film and that it was going to premiere at the Denver Center in Colorado. I don't know what happens, but <laughs> suddenly, bef before it opens, everything changes. They get a new director, a new choreographer, and a new lead. And I think they actually went through a couple of choreographers. What they who they end up uh, opening the show with is Michael Grandage, who is a British director. He was the artistic director of the Don Mara Warehouse, very much a classical theater person. It had directed Jude Law in a production of Hamlet. His first venture into musical theater was the Broadway revival of Evita that he directed uh, with Ricky Martin. Oh wow! Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his choreographer for that was Rob Ashford. And so he and Rob Ashford team up again on this production of Frozen. And then they get a, a new Elsa in Casey Levy. And then it opens in Denver. Now, what was it like in Denver? Uh, it was, you saw it. Yeah, Denver, Denver Frozen, it was interesting because all I had to go off of was the movie and our version. And it was, it felt darker to me. Mm. They spent a lot more time with the little girls in the beginning. Which oh. I did like because, oh, my gosh, they were amazing. Really? This, the, yes. The young Anna, like, stole the show. I wish <gasps> I had her name to give you now. But it wow. was so it was so uh, exciting and captivating. And you really got to know these characters a lot better when they were younger before we got the older versions. So I think it grounded it a lot. And it was really um, – it made it just made the adult scenes, like, more satisfying because you had more of a history with them. Mm -hmm. But so, then at the same time – that means you have to go longer without meeting the actual leads of the show. This is true. I mean, it felt like 20, 25 minutes before we we got we got the girls. Yeah. Um, That's a long time. Yes. And Grand Poppy was had a bigger part in that version, too. He was kind of like a, a narrator in the beginning. He was the first character you saw. This is the little troll guy. <laughs> this is little troll guy. But 
was, um, you know, all ripped and had a tail and dreads, and we loved it. Don't even get me started. <laughs> no, I want to get you started. Tell me about it. Why? Okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting because Michael Grandage said he he very plainly told the media that he was interested in making Disney the next Shakespeare, using these stories to create classical storytelling. Yes. I'm sure in the same way that Julie Tamar approached The Lion King. Sure. Because at this point, The Lion King is the most profitable theatrical property of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is insane. And the last Disney on Broadway experience before Frozen was The Little Mermaid, which for all intents and purposes had was considered kind of an artistic bomb. Oh, it was. Yeah. Did you see that one? I did see that one. With the Heelys. With the Heelys. Yes. Yeah. I remember that time in New York, people were saying that like everyone was learning how to get on Heelys. So that they could get into The Little Mermaid? Yes. The, I mean, a job's a job. A job's a job. I and mean, like crashing in the subway. Can you imagine? That's great. It's like <laughs> day like, two of your Heelys and you're going to your callback. Wow. <laughs> and then you just fall onto the track. What what I did for love. <laughs> uh, so I think after Little Mermaid, they're kind of wanting to get back to this Lion King territory. And so by, you know, getting someone serious like Michael Grandage involved, I think that that was their first step. And the, the, the approach that he took to the animated film was to make it a little darker, a little more adult, mm. uh, knowing full well that kids would still come and enjoy it. But the design and the story and just kind of tone of the show is much more adult than most of the Disney theatrical ventures. Yes. Yes, it definitely is. <clears throat> I mean, a common theme in Disney stories is having the children be abandoned or, you know, have their, their parents die. disappear or die or something. Something terrible happens. Mm -hmm. They leave them alone. I remember Liesl Tommy was always talking about how that was such a powerful device because it takes a kid's worst fear and makes it real. Mm -hmm. So the stakes are instantly super high. Mm -hmm. I think the fairy tales in general work as wish fulfillment. Mm. And it, I'm not saying that kids wish that their parents would die, but they often imagine, I mean, that's why it's such a fear is, mm. is you know, the possibility of what this could be it's like. all you have. So to see it played out for you in a story is actually kind of cathartic. Yeah. Because then you don't really have to go through it yourself. You can yes. kind of vicariously experience these stories through, you see, yeah. through them. And then, and then they're, all, they're okay at the end. They're okay at the end. Exactly. Exactly. And then yeah. you saw it in New York, and what were the biggest changes? I think the Poppy character changing so much. He was not necessarily— He was no, no longer a narrator? Not really. Yeah, he took a, kind of a back seat. And it was more of that the chorus was, was speaking as one, mm -hmm. you know, more— akin to Very Shakespearean. Yeah. Yeah. Which— uh, which is interesting, and it presented it as like the the telling of a of a story. Mm -hmm. So it a troop, a troop, yeah, back to the basics, and you know nobody was like stepping out of the course of becoming a principal, but it was um it was super supported by the ensemble, and there's lots of like beautiful luscious music that they that they sing that helps move the story forward. It opens on Broadway in 2018, and it's still running. Yeah, you know it's getting people in the seats like they wanted. Yeah. What's interesting about theater that people might not realize is that films, like the film version of Frozen had a budget of $150 million because animation is incredibly expensive. Mm. But the budget for Frozen 
on Broadway is $30 million. Nickels compared to $150 million, yeah. right? And yet it's so much harder to earn back your budget on Broadway than it ever would be with an animated film because there's you can only see it in one place. Yes. Right? Just the logistics of theater are much more difficult. When you release a film in wide release, you have the opportunity of people going to see it in California or in Florida or anywhere else in the country or world for that matter. Whereas when you open a show on Broadway, you have one theater. Um, and even if you sell out, you can only sell so many tickets every night. Yep. And then you also have to do it every night. So you're con- even though you've, you know, paid everybody to write it and create it, you have to also pay people to show up and perform it. Yes. Not only are you making money from those tickets, but then you're also using some of that money to cover running costs. So it just takes a lot longer to make your money back. But that's one of the reasons why producing theater is such a risky enterprise. Oh, yeah, it takes a long time. It opens, though, and is a big hit. It gets nominated for Best Musical that year at the Tony Awards, which is not a bad thing whatsoever. Here are the other nominees for Best Musical in 2018. Uh, the Band's Visit, which wins. Okay. Mean Girls and SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> a lot of cartoons Yeah, in that list. Also in that season were Once on this Island, Carousel, and My Fair Lady. It also gets nominated for Best Book of a Musical for Jennifer Lee, which I think is interesting because a screenwriter isn't usually invited to the party when it goes to Broadway. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is cool. So yeah. she also wrote the book. She's nominated. Obviously, the Lopez's are nominated for music and lyrics. <clears throat> Excuse me, for music and lyrics. And that's it. No design nominations, no acting nominations. I, I don't know if that's the Tony Awards being like, man, we don't like Disney. Yeah, I don't know either. Because I thought at the very least that the lighting of that show is pretty spectacular. It was, yeah, it was pretty beautiful. And nice. how, I mean, how they used like the frozen stuff and how things were freezing and mm-hmm. there were just a lot of, a lot of cues at least. <laughs> Best cues. Best cues. Most cues Mo- goes to Frozen. <laughs> So let's talk about the story, shall we? Can we go through the show? Let's go through the show. The stage version opens without Frozen Heart, which is from the movie. It instead, like you said, begins with this Shakespearean chorus introducing us to Arendelle. Once there was a family. And it's all about, like, they say family so many times. Yes. I actually kind of like this idea that that this royal family is the pride of Arendelle. Yes. Yeah. And then that family's destroyed. Oh, just <laughs> obliterated. No, no. But then we do spend a little bit of time with little Anna and little Elsa. Yes. We see how much Anna loves Elsa's secret superpower, which is to freeze things. Yeah. And to create a winter wonderland. And so they're playing, they're playing, they want to build a snowman. And they do. And they do. Out of toys. So it's fun. very cute. Out of toys? Yeah, like put these like toys together and then he animates on his own. Oh my gosh, how cool. It's, yeah, you should I don't see think I've show. seen that one. I should, I know, I should really see the show. <laughs> and then, boom, the powers get out of a little out of control and accidentally hits little Anna. Oh. Right? Yes. So, in order to medically help her, <laughs> the first they, aid, they call the doctor. In. Oh, wait, they don't call a doctor. They call. A shirtless centaur. They do. <laughs> well, who would you want to help you if you were suddenly struck-eth? <laughs> I don't know why they made Grandpappy so into this, like, 
hot dude yeah. Yeah. that does CrossFit. Yeah, he does. Someone explain to me <laughs> why. He, I, I mean, it's, 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 he's a strong presence. He's, I don't know the answer. I'm not, I don't know. It just seems strange know. and just superficial. If we have a side by side of the film Grand Poppy and the stage Grand Poppy, I think many questions will arise. Many questions. Well, they, they decided that they're not these little rock trolls. They are not trolls. And the word trolls is not used. They are hidden folk. Oh, are, so are trolls like an, an offensive? Am I using an offensive term? <laughs> Actual trolls are quite offended by that. No, no, no. In the movie and in our version, they're trolls. Hit. Oh, really? Okay. Super trolls. Yes. These these are like mysterious people of the mountain. They've rebranded them, yes, for the Broadway version. Right. Yeah. Which is great because then they don't have to be on their their knees like you guys. Oh, Running gosh. around the stage and, you know, tearing their cartilage. Just poor cast members. I know. So you've got... Hot grandpappy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he tells... Sorry. <laughs> Are you in a place? You I'm, need a moment? No, I'm fine. Okay. So then he, come, he comes out and makes her better? Yes. He, he's like heals yeah. her. They have healing powers. Which is awesome. And then he basically gives them a warning. Yes. He, he warns them, but he, he removes the, the memory of the powers from Anna. Oh. So she doesn't remember her sister has these powers to begin with. Mm, that's and right. so then to Elsa, it's, hey, conceal, don't feel. Mm-hmm. Don't do the thing. Just suppress, 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 suppress. Which I think I've heard people criticize the parents, right? Saying, why would they do that? The parents are not planning on dying and leaving these girls with this message in their head. So Elsa, from her parents, the only cues she has from her parents is to not— feel them and don't let it happen and just keep it under wraps. Whereas if she had had an adolescence with them, perhaps yeah. that would have evolved and she might have learned to use them and learn what they were and had more information. That's so true. As we get older, we we learn things very elementary. Yes. This is hot. Don't touch it. Yes. But then you get older and you're like, oh, I need to boil water. Yes. There's a right way of doing it. Yeah, I'm going to touch this end and not that end. Yeah. And that would have, I think, happened over time. Absolutely. I think the character would have been fine. But that option was not given because there you go. No parents. Because the parents go away on a trip. They go to see the girl from Tangled get yes. married. Yes, yes, they do. That's the fan fiction. Are you, are you in on the whole fan fiction? Yeah. Wait, I, isn't, isn't Rapunzel at in Arendelle? Can't you see her for a moment mm-hmm. in Arendelle? Okay. During the coronation, yeah. you can technically see Rapunzel. She's like outside hanging out. I think it's probably just a, an Easter egg for yeah. everybody, but Disney fans have taken that to to mean that the parents were going to see her get married. Oh. oh. And then, then that's when the ship sunk and they died. So then when it's time for Elsa's coronation, Rapunzel comes to like pay her respects because the parents wow. did die on wow. the way to go to her wedding. There's some guilt there. Yeah. Wow. What a tangled tangent. Right. <laughs> So the parents, unfortunately, pass away. Yeah. And actually, the way that they do it in the stage version is really beautiful and touching. Yeah. Ours originally was so beautiful. It's been changed since then. Really? But Liesl had a, had um, them go down in trap doors on either side of the stage. Mm-hmm. There's rain and there's lightning and thunder happening. Two tombstones rise in place of where they had just gone in the trap doors. And Anna wore this, like, pleather coat, which was iconic and <laughs> in her morning moment and they've cut all those things since but um 
yeah, it, she really. Oh, and there were mourners in the audience with black cloaks and candles. Oh, wow. They they sold that moment. So they pass away. Anna feels incredibly alone because at this point, Elsa has retreated. Yeah. Trying to understand her powers and how to control them. And the, the fact remains that the more angst and turmoil she feels, the harder it is to control those. So she's kind of in this the cyclical churning yeah. of, I feel horrible, I can't control my powers, I can't control my powers, so I feel horrible. Yes. Meanwhile, that leaves Anna all by herself. And Anna is a character that thrives on... Interacting with people. Yeah. She's yeah. a people girl. Yeah, she is. She loves... Interaction. Oh, she's outgoing. She's a really interesting, complex character, and also one that I feel is kind of thankless in that so much rides on her. A lot of the comedy, a lot of the action, the romance, and the heart all fall on her shoulders. Yeah. And when it works, you kind of don't notice it. Mm. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, she is the hardest working person in the show, in yeah. any version of the show. And Elsa, meanwhile, is kind of all by herself. And while singing Let It Go and singing some of these other songs is incredibly uh difficult. It's probably the less demanding of the two roles, but is ultimately the more showy and interesting because there is so much angst and inner turmoil that yeah. the audience is connecting to. And like a transformation and she yeah. makes such a leaps and bounds, lots of arc with that character mm -hmm. as opposed to Anna. But of course she learns stuff too. But Yeah. Mm. But she's the vehicle for everything yeah. without really getting as big of a payoff. Yeah. And Kristen Bell did such a wonderful job of voicing the character in the film, I think a lot of girls have big shoes to fill. Oh, for sure. Yeah. it's She's just so funny and so real, and, mm -hmm. and there's no pretense with yeah. her. Yeah. it's And super accessible. Mm -hmm. Like, we, everyone wants to be her friend. Right. And she's kind of a mess, and we're like, oh, I'm a mess too. I get it. So then the coronation comes. It comes time for Elsa to actually become queen. Yes. Which means that now, for the first time in forever— mm. The gates are being opened, and Anna gets to, you know, interact with people. She's going to finally see her sister. Why have a ballroom with no balls? Thank you. She wants to stuff chocolate in her face. Yes. She has all these feelings. She wants to meet a gentleman. Yeah. She's, she actually is a really great character. She's great. I love Anna. <laughs> the coronation involves Elsa needing to hold a scepter and an uh, orb. And an orb. Mm. And the tool that she's always had with being able to control the powers is putting on gloves. Just thin fabric. Yeah, just this, the thinnest of fabric. It's <laughs> just, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But she can't do that when she holds the scepter and the orb. So she needs to practice conceal, conceal don't, don't feel. feel, so that when she takes off those gloves, all winter doesn't break loose. All winter, yes. And so everyone's looking at her. That's a lot of pressure. Right. In the stage version, this is where my favorite new song comes into play. Dangerous to Dream. Dangerous to Dream. Same. Is a freaking gorgeous oh, song. It's so good. It is. I can't be what you expect of me. Oh, and the, I'm trying every day. The lyric is so great when, when she says, you can change the rules, but not the reason they were made. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. It is. It brings such an effective texture to the character mm -hmm. who Elsa has kind of become a character that just belts nonstop. Yes. And this is a much softer, much more introspective look at, at who this person is. And you know that she wants that relationship. 
she is not as cold as she appears from the outside. Mm-hmm. And you don't maybe get that as clearly, I think, in the animated movie. She's just like, oh, there's Elsa, there's Anna. Like, we don't really know mm-hmm. to the extent to which she really wants this to work out. Right. So we get to see inside of her. It's really, it's lovely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's she's sensitive and soft. And we're like, okay, we're, we get you. I love it. It works. She becomes queen. Yes. Meanwhile, Anna is off meeting people. Mm-hmm. Meets Prince Hans of the Southern Isles. And Prince Hans is the youngest of how many? Oh, my gosh. 13th in line. 13th. Oh. Maybe. Perhaps. Should we look this up? Is this I mean, important is, enough to I don't know up? if it's important enough, but I'm kind of interested to know now if you I, can guess. I've only heard it like a thousand times <laughs> while I was on stage, so don't worry about So don't worry. I'm, I'm incredibly present. <laughs> I'm so, I'm only <laughs> waiting for my cue line. <laughs> Six, seven, eight. He's the youngest of this long line of brothers who are all princes. So there's no way that he's ever going to inherit the kingdom of his father because all of the brothers would have to die first. Yes. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Not likely. So he seems in many ways like a good match for Anna because he feels a little left out. He feels disconnected from his family, from his purpose. And they connect very quickly, and and there they go. They fall into a, a fun little little romantic moment. Yes, love is an open door. He at the end of the song, which is you know a couple minutes, yeah, proposes. That's and, fine. And like a crazy person, she accepts. She has never known any kind of feeling like this, so mm-hmm. she said, "I want more of this. Let's do it." But yes, please. A life of this. Oh my god, I'll have a life of a dance break with you. Which I actually really love because it seems like such an episode of The Bachelor <laughs> to me. Because how? I've Be- never seen The Bachelor. Neither have I. But <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it feels like like on, on reality shows, they, they, the whole premise, of, do I need to explain what the premise of The Bachelor is? I know that there are roses and there are people and there are one person has many options of of a um a suitor. Yeah. And so they so there's this dude, <laughs> yeah. right? Who has been chosen by a casting agency <laughs> oh to star in a television show. Yes. And, and then and then there are or she's beautiful. Yeah, and then all of these women are like I want to be on this show in order to marry this guy. Of course. And then throughout the season he dates them all yeah. and picks one. Yeah. And they're like, absolutely, this is the person I meant to be with. Yes. That sounds to me a lot like love is an open door. Do you want to hear something crazy? Do you want to marry me? Do you want to hear something even crazier? Yes. Yes. Sandwiches. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I think it's actually incredibly relevant. Yes. to, To some of the bizarre ideas that we have about love and romance and marriage. Yeah. They had like a quick little swipe right romance. Yeah. They had one season on The Bachelor, and now they're thinking they're going to live happily ever after. All in. Yeah. So she tells Elsa this. Yeah. That she has met the love of her life. Great news. And Elsa's like, you're nuts. Excuse me? How long have you known him? Yeah. And she's like, it doesn't matter. You don't understand this. We're in love, (laughs) Elsa. We're in love. (laughs) Daddy, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) We never talk about that, by the way. We never talk about the fact that Ariel has never 
met Prince Eric. Has she not met him at this point? By the time she says, Daddy, like, I love him. She just spied on him in the boat watching him with yeah, the dog. Yeah, and she saved him. Yeah. Then she, I mean, creepy, the first time she meets him, he's unconscious. Me too. Same. <laughs> him too. Him too. Him too. Aw. Uh, anyway. So, El- so Elsa isn't, isn't having this, and she doesn't, and for good reason, doesn't think that Anna's making a sound decision. Anna couldn't disagree more, mm-hmm. and that sets off Elsa's powers. Yes, one of the gloves comes off, mm-hmm. and Elsa is having some feelings, and everyone's watching, and boom, and everybody, happen. everybody gets to see the feelings in the incarnation of ice yeah. and snow. So now, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, our new queen is a monster. Yeah, a little, yeah. A little foreshadowing. Thank you. And she's humiliated. This is the worst possible thing. This is what she, you know, had been fearing since she was a child. She runs out. Yeah. Uh, there are other guests there, including the Duke of Wesselton. Wesseling? Wesselton. Wesselton. Weaseltown is what they say, <laughs> but it's corrected it's to Wesselton by Wesselton. the Duke himself. Yes. And uh, he is like, uh-oh, she is a problem. And he's kind of painted to be the villain of this piece. We, yes. we think that he is the one who's wanting to destroy our heroine. Yes. And at this point, he is kind of wondering, you know, with everyone else, if this is such a good idea to have her as a queen. Yeah. Elsa runs away. Then what happens? Elsa runs away and uh, Anna says, I have to go after her. And she goes after her uh, up the North Mountain because that's where that's where Elsa was last seen headed towards. So Anna's going on this journey. It's all snowy. There's some things happening. And she meets Kristoff. Now, Kristoff is an interesting fella. He is an ice Delivery man? Yeah, ice harvester. Ice harvester. Yeah. Delivers the ice in a little wagon mm-hmm. with his with trusty his, with reindeer. Sven. Named Sven. Now, in the stage version, Sven uh, is played by Andrew. I don't know if it's still played by Andrew Perosi. I think he's still in it. Yeah? Yeah. But by a dancer. And can you describe this costume? It is full coverage, so you don't see any human at all. So he is kind of walking on his toes, the back of his, the back legs of the reindeer. His toes are almost like pointing towards the ground and his arms are controlling the, the front of the, the reindeer and you don't see his face. It's an incredible puppet. It's, it's quite beautiful. Um, not as expressive or animated as the movie. So, you know, that side mm. by side would be, would be different. But yeah, he is, for practical purposes, a reindeer void of facial expression. Yeah. And Kristoff, his only friend in the world is... Sven. He's his ride or die. He's a, he's a mountain man. And Owner. since Sven doesn't talk, Kristoff talks for him. Yeah. This is a source of comedy that I have never laughed at once in all of the <laughs> versions of Frozen that I've I, seen. I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So how do you feel about it? <laughs> Honestly, the funniest thing in the movie. No, um, it's... <laughs> This is something I've never laughed at. What do you think about it? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's meant to be something life changing, but it's it's interesting. That it's supposed to be funny, though. Here's the thing: Disney movies, like and stories in general, like talking animals, were there, ready to right. go. What do you got to say? Let's yeah. go. But he, this didn't happen with Sven. They didn't give him a voice. Although a snowman is okay to talk, but not Sven. Good point. So 
I don't know what the, I don't know what the choice of the device was for that. I think maybe to show Kristoff's isolation. Yeah. To show that he just has to kind of um, you know, make it on his own. He's a loner. He has his 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 reindeer, and so uh, he's just going to be okay. He doesn't yeah. really need other people. He can fill in the, the blanks for them. And I think that the frozen world is full of quirky people. Yes. Yeah, right? Totally. Everybody has a little bit of a quirk. Yeah, everyone's kind of weird. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. But they double down hard on it, even in Frozen 2. I was like, oh, when, when the first Kristoff talking for Sven joke happened in Frozen 2, I'm like, oh, no, we're still doing oh, we're this. We're going to do this again. Okay, years later. Got it, got it, got it. No voice for you. So he sings, reindeer are better than people. Yeah, reindeer, reindeers are better than people. Sven, don't you think I'm right? And then Sven uh, talks And then Sven. Sven talks as well. Meanwhile, back in Arendelle. Oh, okay. So, no, actually, we should say, so he he meets Anna. Anna happens upon yes. Kristoff, and they have a little exchange, and she's like, hey, I got to go up this mountain. Can you help me? And he's like, I don't take people places. She goes, but I'm of the royal family. And he goes, okay, fine, get in, whatever. Their little meet cute is destined to bloom more than just a friendship because they can't stand each other. Of course. And what's going to happen there? Yeah. it's But it, it's still sweet. And they sing the song, What Do You Know About Love? Which is super which cute. Is, yeah. When I was talking about how do you change a cartoon with a lot of action into a stage musical, What Do You Know About Love is one of the big things that they do it's now they're crossing like a, a like a bridge yeah and singing while they do it yeah and she saves his life then they learn something uh, about each other on the way and then ultimately see each other's bravery yeah. when when push comes to shove yeah he was judging her for getting engaged for someone she just met right and she was judging him for being weird i don't know what why is she not like him it's like what do you know about love you're up here alone with a reindeer. Yeah, speaking for and him. And so you're telling me about human connection and relationships? Ooh, dang. Meanwhile, back in Arendelle, Hans has decided to send out a search party yeah. to rescue Anna because there's no way that she'd be okay on her own out mm-hmm. there. She's a helpless little girl. She is. Also to bring back Elsa because she needs to stay on trial or they need to figure out what's what's going on. Also because Arendelle's now in this, like, eternal winter. Yeah, it was July. So that's the other reason to bring Elsa back. Then Let It Go happens. Then Let It Go happens. That's uh, Elsa. Adult Elsa doesn't have a lot of bullet points in Act 1. But, yeah, Act 1 ends with uh, with Let It Go. Now, can you talk me through a little bit about how it's staged in the New York production? Yeah, it's simple. There's kind of a, a bare stage thing happening. She comes out, sings the first part of the song. Cape flies away, glove flies away. Magic. So good. That I mean, people ha- have to spontaneously break out into applause to see yeah. Oh, yeah. those things recreated live. It. Yeah. It's 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 beautiful. It's simple. It's theatrical. It's yeah. you know, it's real it's right in front of you. Yeah. And it, and then she kind of really creates her ice palace. Uh there's, you know, curtains come down, lights happen, many cues in this number. And then <laughs> go stage manager. So yay. Yeah. And then this dress reveal is quite impressive. Because everybody loves a transformation. They Let's do. be honest, right? Yeah. And, and when she goes from her original garb. Just coronation gown. Coronation garb to the full. The jewels and the glitter and the fabric. Sparkly. Sparkles. Many sparkle things. And it it happens in such a cool theatrical way. It's very cool. That I think it's everybody's favorite part of the entire show. It's great. 
Yeah. It's, un- it's unexpected. You're like, how's it going to happen? She's just standing on stage by herself. And then and, boom. And then it happens. And then it happens. Theater magic, people. Theater magic. Boom, act one ends. Everyone's screaming and crying. Which, let's talk about Casey Levy because that voice is incredible. It's so good. She she was a fontine in the revival of Les Mis, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. Also a similar type of role where you have— One great song. Yeah, you have a song by yourself and then you kind of disappear for hang a, out a, a lot of the rest of the show. Yeah. Anyway, but an in- incredible singer. Yeah. How was she in the show? Oh, flawless. Incredible. Yeah, yeah just lovely and powerful. Great actor. Oh. Just really, you know, was present. Yeah. And I, that's what I think Michael Grandage wanted was scene work, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. To ground this cartoon that everybody knows. Absolutely. That's so exciting. We should also mention Patty Murin, who is also wonderful. Just like kind of, she's plucked out of like an old Hollywood movie. Really? I, yeah, I love it. I love her like sense of humor and her her timing is, it's really great. Oh, you can't really teach that. That's exciting. Yeah. She was in Holiday Inn. Was she? Yeah. I don't know if it was the Holiday Inn in New York, but her name was in all of the costumes when, oh. I, when I just did it. <laughs> You're like, I was like, oh, hi, she was in the show. In your costumes? Yeah, my costumes. Great. Weird. She played Ted Hanover. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. First of all. It was exciting. No. Uh, mine all said Corbin Blue, and then and my co-stars all said Patty Murin. Oh, amazing. Corbin doesn't smell. I can t- tell you that. That's helpful to yeah. know. Yeah. He has good hygiene. Great. Those costumes didn't, didn't stink. I haven't had to share my costumes in Frozen, thank goodness. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Back to Frozen. (laughs) (laughs) So many tangents. So Act 2 begins with this song called Huga. Yeah. Now, my people are from Denmark and the UK. Okay. I'm just white. Yes. As as are you, I'm sure. Yes. Do you have, what is your ancestry? Uh, German, Italian. Oh, you are Italian? Slovak. I'm a quarter Slovak. Wow. And then the other quarter is like English and some other things. Oh, you're that's a that's an interesting mutt yeah. that you got going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am much blander. Yeah. I'm just the UK and Denmark. Maybe a little Switzerland. This is just like a Wonder Bread podcast. Yeah, this really. episode. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Wonder Bread, or lack of diversity for that matter, your production of Frozen at the Hyperion was known for having diverse casting. That was one of Liesl Tommy's big goals with that show, right? It is so amazing that she did that. Liesl Tommy made sure that the casting for Frozen was was super diverse mm-hmm. and reflected the audience that was watching it because their race is not a part of the storytelling. So you can kind of do whatever you want with that. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, it was it was so awesome. And also, she, I think, influential to the Broadway version because Kristoff is African-American, right? Yeah, I, w- I would say it influenced a lot of things. It was the first time a, sh- a show in the park for Disney was made where the characters didn't necessarily look like the ones in the movie. Because we have imaginations, we have creativity, and, and the ultimately— story, yeah, it's not about race. So yeah. It's about the relationship and that you don't need that to tell the story. Thank you. Always. But what I was talking about was that my people are from Denmark. Yes. So I have a book about Hugo. Yes. And in this book, it teaches about what this term means, which is comfy, cozy, anything to do with curling up in front of a fire mm. and nice <laughs> fabrics and cottons and lampshades and yes, diffuse lighting, diffuse lighting and, I, and salt lamps, and candles. I have a lot of, lots candles. of candles. So it's it's something from my ancestry that I try to keep alive. Yeah. In this musical, 
It's a 25-minute musical number. It needs a number. The purpose of it is so that she they can get so supplies to go up the North Mountain and say hi to Elsa, but um, they take their time. Anna and Kristoff find themselves at a trading post run by this guy named Oaken. Yeah, is wandering, that right? wandering Oaken. Wandering Oaken. These names are very specific. You said quirky people in Arendelle. It's true. It's true. There are a lot. Of, there's a lot of quirks. They find this trading post that has you know lots of gray tools for surviving the winter. Yeah, and also a uh, hot sauna. Yeah, to you know thaw. <laughs> yeah, and. I haven't seen this production number, but from what I understand, uh, the hot sauna means that people are naked in in the dance break. Of course, yes, it does. <laughs> Why would they not be? But I mean, not not. There's no nudity. No, there's no nudity. No, they're all wearing like bodysuits and stuff. But yeah, they're and they have their um. Oh, what are they called? The leaves. They have these eucalyptus. Okay, or something. When you get a massage, you get like yeah, beaten. you get beaten with the with the leaves. With I think the leaves? I think this is like an Eastern European thing. Okay, so because <laughs> I've never something. experienced this. Well, but that that being said, I live in Los Angeles, so I usually go and get a Korean massage. Great, they don't beat me with leaves. Okay, there. we'll go to Eastern Europe and maybe that will yeah. happen for you. And you might also be inspired to write a musical number about it. I'm not saying no. Great. I'll say yes and. Yes, I will. Say yes. And I will write a musical about it. <laughs> Great. Happy. Uh, they have this musical number, which you said has been kind of. They condensed it a little bit. And I know that the tour stuff would happen there. The edits and things are being implemented in New York now. Which is cool. It happens. Yeah. Shows evolve. After Huga, they head back up to find Elsa. Yeah. They go up to the, the, the castle, the ice palace, and Anna finds Elsa up there. And they kind of have. Can a, we have talk a about how Elsa is an amazing architect? Yeah, she is really underrated for this incredible skill that she has. She's created banisters and balconies and arches and chandeliers, <laughs> chandeliers of ice, I, countertops. Girl needs to open an Etsy store. Yeah. She needs to have a boutique on be Melrose. <laughs> be so great. Everything frozen. Oh my god, it'd be beautiful. Yeah, people would go nuts. Good for her. And the dress, which is, it's made of ice. What happened to our other dress? We don't know. We don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's now it ice. It got sucked into the ground. Yes. The, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they have this conversation. Yeah. Anna finds Elsa in this palace and they start having this conversation. Now, this is actually one of my other favorite parts of the new music that has written. They've taken that little piece from the Demi Lovato pop version, which... I love that in the movie, everybody in the world wanted to listen to Let It Go, but like Adina Menzel's version, yeah, not the pop version that was playing over the credits. I can't think of another Disney movie where that has happened. Yeah, like we, o- we would always listen to Vanessa Williams absolutely singing Colors <laughs> of the Wind. Oh, oh, Colors of the Wind. Who is, who is tweeting the beat? Celine Dion. Oh, my and God. And People Bryson. Child. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, I wasn't listening to I No, I, I was listening to Angela Lansbury. Okay. But I don't think FM 100. Maybe they weren't playing that one. No. Probably not. Anyway, but they've taken that little piece that they put uh, for Demi Lovato, the uh, frozen in this life I've chosen. They put it into the musical, and I think it's a, really, I think it's a great choice. No, oh, it's great. They have this conversation in which Anna is telling Elsa, hey, girl, like, come back to Arendelle. We love you. Um, also, you kind of set off a winter and you need to fix that. And Elsa's this like is news to her. Oh, gosh. Elsa thought if I, you know, was isolated and all by myself up here that I wasn't going to hurt anyone. And but that's not true because yeah. Arendelle's frozen. I don't have any control of my powers. And so she's feeling angsty. And we all know that when she's feeling angsty, 
the powers get out of control again. So by the end of this little exchange between Anna and Elsa, her powers have frozen her heart, right? She or, gets struck in the heart, and uh, they have to go take care of that. Anna, of course, doesn't realize what has happened, but her hair starts turning white. And Kristoff sees this after having left the palace and says, all right, uh, we need the first aid kit known as CrossFit Pabby. Oh, yes. As it turns out, he doesn't know that Anna was saved by the the hidden folk. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my folk. gosh. You know, when she was a little girl. But these are the same people who are his adopted family. Yeah. They raised him. So he brings her, this woman, back to the family, and they're overjoyed because Kristoff has found a gal. Oh, yeah, what's this lady bring, coming back here for? Yeah, and they're so excited. Oh, you guys are together. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm marrying Prince Hans. Done we're, deal. We're not together. No. And the family is like, oh, no, I know you're probably not thinking Kristoff is great. Um, and, and he's he not. <laughs> Just the worst. <laughs> All of the backhanded compliments in the song. Fixer Upper. But I do find Fixer Upper to be a little problematic because we are simultaneously saying that love changes the world, yeah. which it does. Yeah. All true change stems from love, not fear. Yes. I completely believe that. But we're also kind of telling specifically little girls. Yeah. If you see some red flags— just, you you can change those. All you need, all he needs, is you to love him. Yes, and I'm like, no, 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 no. no that's no, not no, how no, life no. works. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that's just me projecting. I hope. I maybe they maybe people don't. The actually best feel of that intentions. Way. They just want Kristoff to be happy. They and do. They're just like, hey, he's not like all the people. But like, don't but forget that part. We and know then, that he's a little smelly, but he's got a wonderful heart. So and he's a good guy. So look deeper. Yes, and that is that is great. Then what goes down plot wise? Uh, Elsa is taken back to Arendelle. Oh, so yeah, Hans shows up with his search party, mm-hmm. and they put her in chains and yeah. take her back to Arendelle. She willingly goes back because she's like, okay, I need to face this. I want to deal with this issue and see what's— Cue my other favorite new song in the piece. Monster. It's great. It's exactly what you want from, yeah, it's from what, that. Yeah, I like, I like that. It really took you through the, her thought patterns at that moment. Yeah, and it means that Let It Go isn't really the high point of her— You know, it's the— um, no good deed goes unpunished of the Elsa role. Snow good deed, they call it. Oh, do they really? Yeah, they do. Oh, I thought you just made that up. That would have been great. Does Anna get captured as well? Oh, she goes back. Uh, yeah, she's back in Arendelle. How does she get back in Arendelle? They just go back to Arendelle. They just go back, right? Yeah, they because they're back. like, well, that didn't work out. Elsa didn't want to come back. You need true love's kiss, so Anna needs to get to Hans. Holy cow, we totally skipped that. So they're told that in order for her to fully be healed. Yes, CrossFit says, okay, you need true love's kiss, and that will break the spell. Not true love's kiss. That's not what I mean. Uh, An act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. So then she's like, oh, well, my true love is Prince Hans. We need to go back back to Arendelle. So Kristoff wants her to be well, so takes her to Hans to the doorstep and says, please, like, just keep her safe. What a sweet guy. What a sweet guy. Yeah. And then uh, Elsa's kind of like, they take her to, like, prison, Mm -hmm. basically. And Anna and Hans have their meeting, and she's like, hey— you know, Elsa froze my heart, but an act of true love and let's get this going. And I'm so glad you're here. And he's like, actually, not what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to somehow like usurp this entire situation and take control of Arendelle. Yeah. Remember how I could never have a kingdom because of all my brothers. Actually, I can. Now I can because if I marry you and then both of you disappear, 
It's mine. Ta-da. Actually, he's kind of smart. I mean, those most, other brothers. Most villains are. Yeah, those other brothers, I would be impressed with that. That's a quite a strategy. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, it's great. Maybe no. not great, but. <laughs> it's not great. So he leaves her to die. Yes. And, uh, and she's all by herself and she sings this lovely song called True Love. Yes, it is a lovely song. And Cut for the tour, though. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's not going to be in New York anymore, but okay. it's on the recording. Well, that's too bad. It's a, lo- it's a lovely song because you really understand that her vulnerability got her to where she is and prevented her from kind of finding good things along the way. And because she-, she was always so open and so willing to trust and love anyone. And somehow not extinguishing her flame either. Yes. You know, she's, she's still Anna. Yeah. And it's it's a great moment for her character. Yeah, I think it's lovely. And then the first moment that we're even talking about Olaf is right now because it's the first time he does something that's important. He comes oh. in and saves Anna. Oh my gosh, well, yeah, we totally skipped in summer. Don't and let's not talk about my character. Well, it's true that his he's not important, I guess, until He's like now. comic relief and what what does he do now? And his whole well, actually the animators we were we were talking to them when we were doing the creating the show. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and they were saying how he John Lasseter Name dropping. John Lasseter talked to me about how Olaf is a little piece of Anna and Elsa together. And so he represents their unity and their bond together. Well, that's really great because there's a song at the beginning called A Piece of You, A Piece of Me. Yes, that's where that came from. He was very excited to talk about that. How sweet. Yeah, it is sweet. And he represents that in his kind of the heart. Well, um, they created him when when they were younger. So it's kind of like that moment in time is frozen within him. He Mm -hmm. represents that. Uh, But... In the in this scene, he comes in and saves Anna, and she's like, "Oh gosh, I don't even know what true love is." And Olaf, being kind of this open, youthful energy, is absorbing everything around him. Tells her, you know, what true love is. True love mm. is putting somebody else's needs before your own, mm. and then uh, helps her to realize, "Oh my gosh, I love Kristoff." So they're like, "Let's go get Kristoff." Wow. So boom, beeline to Kristoff. Hans is trying to go kill Elsa. They're all meeting up on the the fjord, the frozen fjord, mm-hmm. and this is uh, where the climax happens. Hans goes to to kill Elsa, and Anna steps in to prevent this from happening. An act of true love. She is frozen, and Elsa is in pieces. She thinks she killed her sister. She's responsible for the death. Yes, of her and then because they, she just risked her life for her. Mm-hmm. That act of true love, not the kiss with Hans or Kristoff. Unthaws her and 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 has the the spell is broken. Oh, that's really sweet. It is really sweet, isn't it? Now, it's I, their now, bond I, in their now I want to go see it. Go sign up for the lottery. Yeah, don't. It's really sweet, and I I forgot how much I love Olaf. He's he's good. Like what a what a sweet what a sweet character. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's great. Mm. We love Olaf. We we all need a little bit of Olaf. We do. Lives. Yeah, and I think that that. It's a beautiful ending to the show. It is because it's about the girls. It is. It's about their relationship. And we've been dealing with them by themselves. Yeah. For so long. Yeah. That it is a great payoff to see the culmination be about them acting together. It is sweet. And not only does it unthaw Anna, but it unthaws Arendelle. Yeah. Right. And the whole kingdom. And she takes her her powers and, and knows how to. How to use them better now. Yeah. She gets a harness on them. Because I do think that sometimes our strengths in life can ultimately become our weaknesses, you know? 
and, and vice versa. And vice versa. What a great metaphor for that. Not not because I, I almost don't even see it as controlling so much as using with a better intention. Yeah. As soon as you know how you can use your powers. Yeah. Then all of a sudden that changes everything. Exactly. No, it's sweet. I love I love that. I love that they take something that she has a lot of shame around and makes it her her superpower, mm-hmm. which I think so many people can identify with that. We all have something that we're just like, oh, this thing, this thing, this thing. Mm-hmm. But I think having it be out in the open, talking about it, experiencing it with other people and having uh, understanding around you really helps to take away the shame. An incredible story to have for kids because it it immediately alleviates the possibility of bullying. Yeah. When you see that we all have quirks, but that they are actually our superpowers. Yeah. Honestly, that is the vehicle for diversity yeah. and and making our lives abundant and full. Yeah. Which, so, okay, I like Frozen. Yeah, you like Frozen. I do. I think you should see the show. I should. What does Frozen mean to you? Really fast before we leave. What does I mean, Frozen mean it, to me? Because it has been a huge portion of your life. Oh my gosh. Well, personally, it's really changed a lot of things mm-hmm. just being able to work with all these amazing people yeah. and to uh, play the super famous character and work with Liesl Tommy and Christopher Windham and Jason Michael Webb creating something from the ground up. It was, it, uh, yeah, it means a lot. The, sh- the doing of the show and it's, it's, it's lovely. I never tracked Olaf in any way. Mm-hmm. I, I had like three auditions that week and just went and, you know, what I didn't think about it a yeah. lot and uh, was pleased to get to, play him because it's uh it's just a lovely reminder of like the power of innocence and love and and all of that that's great yeah it's good thank you uh lopez's thank you jennifer lee oh my gosh for changing the landscape of this kinds of stories that we expect from disney and the kinds of things we get to experience in theater yeah uh my hope is that it is for the better and i think that when you surround yourself with artists who have integrity it it will be. Yeah. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're, we're on Instagram now. Oh, my gosh. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a musical podcast. If you have any ideas for shows you would like covered here on a musical theater podcast, you can always email a musical podcast at gmail.com. I haven't done this for a while, so let's give some thanks to Michael J. Willett for creating our artwork and our theme song. And to all of the quirky people out there, Hugo, 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 Hugo. Hey, it's me, Jeff. Hi, I just got back from Frozen. <laughs> After all that. I entered the lottery. I won tickets. I went to the Pantages, to the gorgeous Pantages Theater in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, and I saw Frozen. Go to our Instagram at a musical podcast to see the photos. Uh, I wanted to check in after the episode and say that even after I saw it, I feel like this is a really great episode about Frozen. (laughs) I'm really happy with everything we talked about, except for this one thing. While watching it, I had this burning question, which is, after Anna and Elsa's parents die, who is running Arendelle until the moment that Elsa becomes queen?
I mean, we fleshed out that story to two acts in over two hours, and we never touched on that. I'm just saying. The show is gorgeous. Everybody's super talented. And the audience was going crazy, so they had to be doing something right. Anyway, I saw Frozen. (laughs) And I'm very proud of myself. Bye, everybody. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.